There is a saying, something uh, like this, you don't just marry your spouse, you also marry his or her family. And certainly that's been the case for us. My wife has married into an upper Midwestern family that has certain uh, idiosyncrasies and connections and rules and and rhythms. And I married uh, a Texas family that is as large as Texas and very diverse and wonderful and rich in many, many ways. Um, I'm John Fuller here in the studio with Aaron and Greg Smalley. They lead our Focus on the Family Marriage Department. And Greg, I'm sure you've heard that phrase, and I I suspect you've found that true as well. Yeah, the reality is I I can't ignore that family relationships will impact me, Aaron, our marriage. I mean, it's all going to have an impact. And so I can't have my head buried in the sand pretending, well, that really won't have an impact at all. However, the good news is that we, over time, we can absolutely create our own family culture. And so Aaron and I have to evaluate who do we want to be? What do we want our unique mm-hmm. family to look like and behave and, and all those things? And then, you know, in the end, Aaron is my top priority. My vow is to Aaron and Aaron alone. And so I always want her to know that she's the priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, those boundaries and those relational dynamics have to be talked about, thought through, acted on. Right. And you have to be intentional about those. Well, Gary Thomas always has some helpful thoughts for marriage. Uh, Whenever he's with us uh, here on campus, he talked with Jim Daly about some things he's learned from his own experience with regard to family dynamics. I remember a conversation with my son uh, before he went when he had his first girlfriend, who he ended up marrying, actually. And I, and I told him, I said, but I could write down the first three fights you're going to have. Because I know him. I mean, I know. And, and it was. One of them was, was that. I know my son isn't perfect, but it's scary to me how desperately I want him to be loved and how much joy I get when I see my daughter-in-law love him so well and I see him love her. Because even though I know my kids aren't perfect, they're still my kids, and I want them to be loved. God knows our spouses aren't perfect. They're still his children. He still wants them to be loved. And when we can love our spouses as his children out of reverence for him, I don't know that anything pleases him that much, because anyone who has kids knows that. I mean, what do you want more from your in-laws? Love my kids well. You don't have to pay attention to me. If you make my kids happy in a Christian sense. You know, you're supporting them, you're blessing them, but you're also helping them to grow in the Lord. You're thrilled with who they are, just on that end. You had that experience with your father-in-law, Bill. So tell us that story. Yeah. Well, it's my earthly father-in-law, Bill, who um, we, I'll never forget the wedding rehearsal night. Bill's not a particularly emotional man. He wasn't. He didn't show emotions that much. Um, But he cried talking to us at our wedding rehearsal night. Uh, good tears. <laughs> you could tell they were happy tears as he was just talking about how happy it was. And he'd never said anything. And then as we'd been married, he began fighting leukemia. And after about seven years, it was becoming acute. And we knew he probably wouldn't um, outlive it. And so uh, Cancers, I mean, everybody's been through it. It's just, it's so horrible on so many levels. The one thing that patients have told me is that it gives you time to prepare. You can have some conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we had some, and it came up, and I asked him what was going on about that, because I knew he didn't 
used to break down crying, and he just said, Gary, I, I looked at you next to her, and we were just kids. We're kind of shocked our parents let us get married at that time, but um, he just said, and I just said, Lisa's found a good man. She's going to be okay. I don't have to worry wow. about her. And, you know, and I mm. brought that up to mind when he called me the day he died and asked me to pray that God would bring him home. He was just tired of the sacrifice and the pain. He'd been trying to stave alive for us, but he was just at a point where he was just done. And uh, I don't want to get too mystical. I knew he was going to call. I don't know how I, I knew. And I knew what to say. I just reminded him of that. I just said, Bill, I just want you to know Lisa will be okay. Hmm. I'm going to be with her. Because I knew if I was about to leave this earth, and Bill knew his eternal destiny was secure in the work of Jesus Christ, the one thing is, what about my loved ones that I'm leaving behind? Hmm. And the best gift I could give him is to saying, the reason you cried on the day we got married, I said, it's even more true now. I will always be by her. I'll always make sure she's okay. And when I'm gone, I'm going to make sure she's okay. Um, and he just said, I know you will, Gary. And that was some of the last words that we shared. It's a beautiful illustration of a, a father's heart, but I believe the Lord, you know, sets life up that mirrors his heart for us. Absolutely. So again, his heart for Lisa is even greater than Bill's about how well taken care of she is. I so appreciate uh, those stories from Gary Thomas and uh, Aaron. As we turn a bit of a corner here, speak to the person who sadly doesn't have a good relationship with their in-laws. Uh, in-laws is our theme this month. So, what are some common challenges you've seen, and what advice do you have? It's so difficult um, seeing people who do not have a good connection with their in-laws because it's painful. I don't know anyone that walks into marriage thinking, I want a terrible relationship with my in-laws, <laughs> you know, and it, it, there are certain dynamics, you know, especially between mother-in-law, daughter-in-law that present. It talks about that in scripture. What I would say to that person is first and foremost, recognize you are only responsible for you and there will be challenges. And so when those challenges arise, how do you show up? Do you show up, you know, aggressively? Do you show up silent? Do you show up uncaring? You know, so it's it's spending time reflecting on what goes on inside of me when this stuff within the in-law relationship happens. Some of the common themes um, I see as I work with people is, you know, maybe a mother or father-in-law is super controlling. Maybe they're, the family is working together and there becomes a financial piece mm -hmm. of control in there. Maybe somebody's rude and they say things that are unacceptable. Uh, maybe they're too involved. And this is a big one. There's research around this that talks about when a son is overly close or meshed with his mother, it has a detrimental impact on the marriage. So it's looking at is someone pulling to keep that connection at a level that's over the spouse? And again, that means stepping in and setting some boundaries but it must come first and foremost from that biological child. Mm. It's going to go better when it's from the biological child. Maybe it's both of you stepping in together to set that boundary. It's powerful for in-laws to see the couple together taking a, a stand. united front. Yeah. yeah, that united front is powerful. Mm. You know, maybe they're trying to drive a wedge between the couple and, you know, setting it up that trying to cause dissension or separation. That's not healthy either. Or playing favorites. Maybe playing favorites in the marriage or playing favorites with the grandchildren. 
Um, By the way, can I just observe? I've seen that happen so often. That almost should be an expectation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they, someone will play favorites. Yeah. yeah. It do doesn't we go well, that? though. Yeah. You look in Scripture, you look mm-hmm. at Joseph and how that all played out mm-hmm. within Scripture. So favorites aren't going to go well. Um, you know, so it's just looking at what what are the specific things you're dealing with in the relationship and also stepping back and going, OK, what boundaries can I set that are going to keep my heart open? And as well as what do I really want? However, I will say that there are times when you have tried and tried, maybe you've been to counseling over and over again, you've tried to communicate, the biological child has tried to communicate, and it doesn't go well. And there are times that stepping away for a season of healing is okay. Well, that's good. And uh, I hope you hear uh, Aaron's heart. Uh, Aaron and Greg lead our marriage team here. This is the kind of uh, help we want to offer you. We want to offer insights, biblical advice, uh, seasoned insights. And uh, our website is rich with resources and uh, help for you in your relationship. Now, if you've benefited from the ministry of Focus on the Family, either this podcast, our website, the broadcast, something else, uh, an event or a book, let us know and uh, make a donation if you can to continue the work of Focus on the Family. We rely on listeners like you, and uh, your donation of any amount will make a difference, whether that's a one-time gift or an ongoing uh, monthly gift. Donate as you can. We'll send the book by Gary Thomas to you as our thank you. It's called A Lifelong Love. And all the details, including a link over to the full discussion uh, with Gary Thomas, are available on our website. We'll link over to all of that in the show notes. Next time, you'll hear from Rosie McKinney. Uh, She'll be explaining why sexual addiction is so harmful for a marriage. You'll hear that and more next time. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.